0: Hi, this is Jim Martin, and this is my encouragement note number 60. I want to welcome you to this particular encouragement note. If there's something helpful to you, I would love to hear from you at jmartin9669 at gmail.com. It's helpful to know just what connected with you. The list of five. First, when fear gets in the way, A few suggestions for dealing with our fears. At times, most people I know, including myself, wrestle with fear. And yet, repeatedly, the Bible says, do not be afraid. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Or Exodus 20 and verse 20. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God may be with you to keep you from sinning. Or Isaiah 43 verse 1. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear. For I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Because of my fear, I've sometimes overreacted in situations with my children. On occasions, I've allowed fear to cause me to be self-protective with my wife. Fear has even been a part of my ministry. As a result, God sometimes seemed smaller than what I was fearing. Fear can get in the way of our future. Some people allow fear to cause them to seek perfectionism. Nothing is ever quite good enough, and still others allow their fear to lead them to procrastinate. You may have seen what fear can do in congregations. Fear can cause church leaders to be intimidated by some who are loud and self-assured. In the meantime, we might become timid, uncertain, and insecure. Fear prompts knee-jerk reactions instead of maintaining a cool head and thoughtfully pursuing a course of action. Fear may move us toward appeasement instead of a good solution. It has a way of shifting the focus away from God, whose forever presence was meant to instill courage and hope. Consider some possible fears. The fear of losing control and humiliating myself. The fear of having to make a decision and being wrong. The fear of having to depend on God and yet not quite sure what God is going to do. The fear of being alone, of having my spouse abandon me for someone else. The fear of being seen as incompetent. The fear of failing and then looking silly. The fear of communicating my genuine concerns and then having these dismissed as non-issues. The fear of speaking out and having no one to back me. Well, this list could go on and on. As a younger minister, I feared the anger and disapproval of others. Well, at some point, I realized this was a dead-end street. After all, in a congregation, someone in the congregation typically doesn't like something. And I had to learn how to mature and grow up in terms of how I functioned with others. Here are a few suggestions for dealing with your fears. Number one, admit your fear. Confess to God that a particular situation has caused you to be fearful. Second, read Scripture, particularly texts that remind you of how large, majestic, and powerful God really is. Three, consider the times in your life when God has shown His faithfulness. Thank God for these faith-building moments which have the capacity to increase your trust in Him. Four, pray that you might dare to trust God even though your problem is not resolved. Second, unscripted moments. Learn to pay attention to the subtle work of God. As I drove across North Mississippi on Highway 72, I was gripped by a compelling audio book. From Memphis to northern Alabama, I, I listened to Ernie Johnson Jr.'s book, Unscripted, The Unpredictable Moments That Make Life Extraordinary. Johnson, the father of six, four of whom are adopted, is the host of TNT's Inside the NBA. The audio book is spoken by Ernie Johnson Jr. himself. During portions of this book, I was teary-eyed. The book is both moving and expiring and inspiring. Uh, Regarding a job, for instance, regarding a job, Johnson said, your job is what you do, not who you are. And then he told the story of Michael, a three-year-old boy who couldn't walk or speak. His wife, Cheryl, encountered the child in a Romanian orphanage in 1991. The boy had been abandoned in a park as a baby. She and Ernie talked about the possibility of adopting him and acknowledged there would be difficult challenges. The nurse in the orphanage said, don't take this boy, he's no good. Johnson responded with these words, we will bring him home. And they adopted him, only to then learn that he had muscular dystrophy. And then Johnson spoke of a high school coach, basketball coach, Phil Belier, who worked to make Michael a part of his team. He thought his team could learn much from Michael about the importance of making a real effort. Michael enabled uh, Bolier to teach students in his classes about the importance of loving one another and that everyone has value. Throughout the book, he spoke of the importance of going unscripted. This includes being willing to do the unplanned and unpredictable as you learn to trust God. And finally, Ernie Johnson spoke of his own battle with cancer, discovered in 2003. He spoke about the words a technician told him that meant so much. You may have cancer, but cancer doesn't have you. He learned to trust God, period. And this would become his personal mantra. I have included this book in this encouragement note primarily because of what Johnson says about Blackberry moments. This was a family term that originated from a time when Johnson was eight years old playing Little League Baseball. The other team was at bat, and a ball was hit over a chain-link fence. Several of Johnson's teammates began looking for the ball. However, they discovered several blackberry bushes filled with luscious blackberries. They stopped looking for the ball and ate the blackberries. Through the years, the family has talked about blackberry moments. The unexpected but sweet moments in life that we all need to savor. These are moments in which God seems to work through and even orchestrate the unexpected. So do I have my eyes open for these, for those unscripted blackberry moments? Instead of totally focusing on my challenges, could I savor? The blackberry moments. And could it be that many of these moments actually reflect the subtle work of God? So, can I savor a spur-of-the-moment coffee time with a colleague? Can I savor a pleasant conversation I experienced at the grocery store? And can I savor a kind gesture by one of my co-workers? Three. Note to self, and this is time well spent with this 10-minute video below. I've already mentioned sportscaster Ernie Johnson. You might enjoy this excellent video, which was shown recently on CBS Morning. Johnson reads his letter to his younger self, and this is excellent. Regarding his cancer, he wrote to his younger self, Medicines and surgery may fix you, but it is your faith, your family, and your friends who will sustain you. What would you write to your younger self? What would you want your younger self to know about life, marriage, a job, etc.? What would you say to your younger self about challenges and discouragements? I want to encourage you to. Watch this 10-minute video on the encouragement note. Number four, a big surprise for me, especially for ministers and church leaders. It was a Friday evening, and I was getting ready to board a plane for a flight from Seattle to Austin. The plane was scheduled to leave at 7 o'clock p.m., but it was late, and most everybody waiting to board was standing. Many of these passengers had most likely put in a full day's work and were now getting ready for a long flight. There was one guy in the crowd who stood out. He was talking and laughing and entertaining those around him. He was dressed in an open collared shirt and what appeared to be a very nice suit. He was tan in his 50s and seemed very confident. And I also perceived he was doing well financially. I watched him for a few minutes as he talked to those around him, and he just seemed full of himself. Well, I decided I didn't like him. Just like that, you say? Just like that. Group A was called. This was Southwest Airline. We were boarding in groups of three, groups A, B, and C. I headed. Uh, t- I boarded the plane and found an aisle seat near the front. Apparently, this flight was almost full. As other passengers boarded, they continued to walk by the row where I was sitting, avoiding the vacant middle seat. There was someone at the window, the vacant seat was middle, and I was sitting at the aisle seat. Maybe this middle seat might just remain empty for this flight. A few minutes later, he came down the aisle. Yes, the obnoxious guy who had been entertaining the large group of passengers moments ago. He stopped when he got to my seat. Mind if I sit here? Sure, I said, not quite sincere. And inside I thought, good grief, I'm going to have to listen to this guy all the way to Austin. Minutes later, the plane took off. The guy in the middle seat looked at me and asked where I was going and what I did for a living. I figured that once I told him I was a minister, this would end all conversation. I told him that I lived in Waco and was a minister for a church there. He then said, You are a minister? Wow! You make such a difference. He told me his life had been a mess and that he had begun going to a church in Austin and his whole life changed as he encountered Jesus. Now he was part of a recovery group for recovering alcoholics. He talked about the difference the Lord had made in his life. Of course I had quietly talked to the Lord about my own pathetic immature attitude in a situation that may have been a divine appointment, and perhaps this was a Blackberry moment. Number five are some reading, listening resources that you might enjoy. I hope you have a great day, hope you have a great week, and I appreciate you listening to this encouragement note.